Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. Amen. How many uh, how many of you parents had your kids start school this past week? Anybody have your kids start school? Oh, I got some happy happy parents in the house. All right. Well, what I want you to do, if you are a teacher, an administrator, a worker in a school, or if you are a parent, I want you to stand. We're going to say a special prayer for you, especially the parents. I tell you, I I know what it's like. My kids start tomorrow. My wife headed to Colorado on Wednesday because her great-grandmother turned 100. So I've been by myself for the start of school for preaching, and they're heading to orientation tomorrow. So you pray for me. Three kids. That's tough. All right. If you'll lift out your hands to, to these that are standing, we're going to say a special prayer for them, for these parents, these teachers, these administrators. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray for every parent in this house. We pray for every administrator. We pray for every teacher. We pray for every worker in schools. And Lord, we thank you that they have a phenomenal opportunity to speak into lives of our future generation and leaders. Lord, I pray that you give them strength, you give them wisdom, you give them what all they need through what's going on right now. Lord, I thank you for these administrators and teachers, Lord, that you're going to give them an opportunity to share the gospel message of Christ with young people this year. That you're going to open doors, even in public school, Lord, that you're going to open up doors they never imagined to be able to share the gospel message of Christ. Lord, I thank you for these phenomenal parents and leaders and teachers. I thank you for them and the influence they have on our next generation. And we give you all the praise and all the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Well, I want to personally thank Pastor Scotty for the opportunity uh, to share with you today. and It's, it's, it's an honor, and I, I really am thankful for him as my pastor and, and how he's spoken to my life. And I'm thankful for the message that he's been sharing on grace. Are you thankful for the message on grace? And, you know, he's told me, he, he said, Robbie, we are, I remember when Israel, he said, if I've ever felt like I was on this planet for something special, it's to share this message of grace. You know, and for me, it's been, it's been eye-opening because I grew up in a holiness church. And I was trained in, the, in college in the holiness denomination in theology. And as, as I've gone through this, I've learned that I've had some kind of strange... Not strange, but I've been off a little bit in my because I understand it. But in my own personal life, I wasn't applying things the way I should. You know what? One of my favorite prayers have been over the years. One of my favorite prayers, which is probably the wrong that was the wrong prayer, is I prayed, "Lord, help me help myself." <laughs> and as what I'm going to be teaching you today, it's not "Lord, help me help myself." The prayer should be, "Lord, I trust you." That's what the message about is going to be about today. Lord, I trust you that you're going to work it out, that you're going to make it happen, that you're going to open the door, that you're going to see me through. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to put my trust in the true vine. I'm going to let you get rid of the suckers in my life. And you don't know what I'm talking about, but you're going to find out in a minute. So God is really good, and I thank, thank the Lord for that. Well, I want, I want to show you a picture up here of a gentleman, uh, the man to the right, and uh, I'm not in any way trying to embarrass him, and I'll, and I'll explain my situation in, in the situation in just a minute. The gentleman to the right that you see, good-looking gentleman, uh, when he was in his early 20s, and none of you know him, when he was in his early 20s, he was a young minister. Uh, he's married uh, with young kids, and in his early 20s, he messed up. I don't know if you know it, but we're all sinners, yeah. saved by grace. Okay. In his early 20s as a minister, he, he did what most people view as the most, phenomenal, most horrible sin, and he cheated on his wife. And 
through that, he stepped away from ministry, and he reconciled, he repented, he reconciled with his wife, uh, and he stepped out of ministry, and he went into the business field. And this is what he did during that time of his life, is he focused on God. He didn't focus on coming back into ministry. He focused simply on his family, and he focused on his relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't pursue anything. He didn't try anything, make anything happen. He just tried to be a good supporter of his wife and a good supporter of his family. Well, in the course of 10 years, there was a minister that knew him when he was younger. And after about 10 years of him in the business, business field, uh, a minister that I know by the name of Maurice, who's now retired, looked it up and found him. And he was in another part of the country. And he went to Terry and he said, Terry, I feel like the Lord, I, I know you messed up when you're younger, but that's not why I'm here. I feel like the Holy Spirit has told me to come find you and tell you that I want you to come and be my youth pastor. And after some time of prayer, Terry accepted this job. Now, what I want to tell you is that after a course of time after he accepted that job, this man became one of my greatest mentors. Mine. And I remember the first time I sat across from Terry, and I'm going to tell you some other things in a minute. He looked at me in the eyes and, and he said, let me tell you. And I, and I knew this came from his own hurt, from his own mistakes, from his own problems. And he looked at me, we, he, we were on the beach, and uh, he looked at me and he said, Robbie, let me tell you something, and I want you to ever forget it. You're a real person ministering to real people. You're a real person ministering to real people. You don't have to put on a facade. You don't have to put on a mask. You just be yourself. And let me tell you what happened through him. Even though he made a mistake, you know, one of my last sermons, it says the giftings of callings of God can never be withdrawn. That through that, he had a children's ministry of about 350. He had a youth ministry of 250. Um, he died when he was 42 years old. And he was out playing basketball with young people when he, when he had a heart attack and died. He was one of the most, I called him the Steven Seagal of youth pastors because he acted like Steven Seagal. He was a surfer. Uh, whenever a hurricane would come, him and his brother, his brother had like a goat. You know what a goat is? It's just hair right here on the chin. He had a goat all the way down to the middle of his chest. Him and his brother would, would go, only two, they, they'd jump off the end of the pier in a hurricane and surf. They'd be the only, only crazy guys out there surfing, but that was his nature. And let me tell you about his ministry. Not, he was so respected that when he passed away, there were close to 3,000 people went to his funeral. They wouldn't even let anybody know where he was buried because they were afraid young people would hang out at his burial site. And let me tell you something even further than that. Because, and this is an influence of a town of about 40,000. Because of his influence, one of the young men that he mentored and ministered to, one of those young men has started a church now in that town. And that church is over 2,000. And that young man has a goat down to his chest. He's the pastor of that church, and it's one of the most phenomenal churches in eastern North Carolina. All because of a man that could have said, I sinned, my image is tarnished, I can't be anything else anymore. I'm done. But he trusted God. He didn't pursue it. But he let God work through him nonetheless. I'm not here in any way trying to honor sin. But what I'm trying to honor is the God who can work through us despite our sin. Oh, that's good stuff. First, First Peter 5.10. First Peter 5.10, New Living Translation says this. This is all about God's grace and His love for you. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He, everybody say He. He, he God, 
Jesus. He will restore you. He will support you. He will strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. He will do it. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that He will do. Now I want you to turn in your Bibles. I hope you don't mind turning your Bibles today or in your uh, version. I want you to turn to John chapter 15, please. John chapter 15, verse 1. And I want to show you a passage that you're very familiar with, but maybe in a context that you haven't seen it before. I've got to hand it to my wife. She's been really helping me through my, my exploration of, of the grace message and some of the crazy things that I've had in my thoughts. And she's really helped me, and I want to give her the, the, the honor and the thanks for that. She's much better at just trusting God. I mean, I trust God, but she's much better at truly trusting God than I am. I tend to try and make things happen. Any of you men like that, try and pull yourself from your bootstraps, try and make it happen sometimes? I think one of the hardest things for us to do is trust God. Trust God. Well, anyway, I want, I want to show you this. And in John chapter 15, verse 1, it says, Jesus is saying, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Now, hone in on that. Who is the gardener? God's the gardener, okay? He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and He prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What I want to show you this picture here, this picture is of a gardener. Of a person. One of the problems I think sometimes when we read this scripture is that we forget what it says at the beginning. Who is the gardener? God is the gardener. How many of us try and be the gardener ourselves? God has not called us to be the gardener. If you go to the next slide, God has not called us to be the gardener. God has simply called us to be the branch. I'll show you the next slide here. This is just the branch. God has called you to be the branch. He's not called you. Now the vine, see on the left, that's the main vine. Who is the main vine? Jesus. Jesus is the main vine and you are the branch. Now, what is the responsibility of a branch? Is it the responsibility of the branch to water? Is it the responsibility of the branch to prune? It's the responsibility of the branch simply to stay connected to the true vine. Your job is to stay connected to Jesus and that's it. Your image is not dictated by what you do because you're not the gardener. God is the gardener. Now, this is a tomato plant and I know some of you are gardeners. How many of you know what a sucker is? A sucker. The little sucker. You see the main the main vine on the left, right? That's Jesus. And you are the branch. Right in between that V... Sometimes another little shoot will grow. Now, if you don't prune, now, again, you're not supposed to be the gardener, but in a real garden, you're the pruner, and you'll, you'll pull off that other little branch because that little thing in the V will take nutrients away from the branch and the fruit will not be really good. How many of you possibly sometimes have suckers in your life? All right? But then how many of you try and get rid of the suckers yourself? Now, who's supposed to be getting rid of the sucker? God's supposed to be getting rid of the sucker. 
God is the gardener. He should be the one getting rid of the suckers in your life. I want you to repeat after me. God, get rid of the suckers in my life. Now say that again because many of you are going to try and do it yourself. You've been so used to like me thinking it's all in your works. But it's not in your works. It's in your trust in God, the gardener. I want you to ask me. God, get rid of the suckers in my life. And I want you inside, I want you to say, God, I will trust you to do it. And you've got to be determined to let God do it. He will get rid of the suckers in your life. Your only responsibility is to stay connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. Amen. That is our responsibility. And a lot of times we forget that. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this in the KJV. Who Jesus has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Not according to you being the gardener. But according to His own purpose and grace through Christ Jesus before the world began. That's an amen moment right there. I want you to watch this short video. It's about two minutes. Amen. Now, I've talked about this before, but I want to hone in on one thing that I didn't hone in on the last time I talked about this tree in the Garden of Gethsemane. As you see, this is an olive tree, and what they've done is they've grafted in this branch here that you see is basically like an oak branch. They grafted into this old olive tree. Now, what's amazing, if you look on the end, that this very much distinctive looking oak on the end is actually producing olives like the rest of the tree. Even though it is an oak branch, it is producing the fruit like the root. What did I tell you? So you stay connected to the root, that's your job, he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the fruit, you just stay connected to the root. Now, Miss ha- Pastor, Sister Susan Howard shared something when I first shared this uh, about a year ago, and she made the comment, she said, if you look at that oak branch, you'll notice it hasn't lost its distinctiveness. 
it still looks like an oak branch. Do you know that when you stay connected to the root Jesus Christ, when you stay connected, He doesn't change you. He operates through you. You still are distinctive. You still have a personality because guess what? You can reach people that nobody else can reach. You don't have to put on a mask and be something that you're not. You just have to be you. You just have to stay connected to Christ and be who God created you to be. And that is a phenomenal thing. That is a great thing. No one in this house expects you to act a certain way. Now, God, as you are connected to the root, He's going to guide you and lead you to make good choices. You're going to be fine, right? But I'm not asking you to look a certain way. I don't even like wearing this coat because this isn't really me. I'm just wearing it because I feel like I'm supposed to. Maybe I should take it off. I don't know. All right? But this isn't me. I mean, when I go home, I may be careful. My mom and dad may listen to this. Never mind. Um, There is an expectation when I go home to wear certain clothes. It's okay. All right. But anyway, you stay connected to that root, and you don't have to worry about every little thing that comes up because God's going to work through you. God's going to take care of it. And awesome fruit's going to happen as you stay connected to that root. Um, Andrew Gardner. Andrew Gardner, one of our elders, phenomenal man. Him and I are very different. His presentation is different from mine. But at the same time, we have the same Holy Spirit and the same Jesus Christ. A few years ago, we were in Israel when Brother Scotty asked us both to preach you know, the same time. I, one of us preached, another one preached. Kind of like tag team. We tag each other, the next one preached. Very different styles. But at the same time, same Holy Spirit. And right before we were to preach, I think I went first, I don't remember. Andrew turned back and he looked at me and he said, what are you preaching on? You know, because we didn't talk to each other about it. And he said, what verse? And I said, 2 Samuel 9, 2. And his eyes got real big. I said, what? Did that do something? And he's like, I'm preaching from the same verse. (laughs) Same Holy Spirit, same root, ladies and gentlemen. We're all connected to the same Holy Spirit and the same Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 in the message version says this. Since God has so generously let us in on what He is doing, we're not about to throw our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. You know, my mentor I talked about at the very beginning, he ran into this, but he realized that in his life that he was going to be real. He was going to be a real person ministering to real people. He was a surfer, and he decided that he was going to be a surfer as a minister, and he wasn't going to apologize for that. He was going to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and meet the young guys, that he was going to be the crazy pastor who jumped off the end of a, end of a pier and surfed during a hurricane, but that's who God created him to be, and, that's, and he was able to reach people that nobody else could. So I encourage you today, be yourself. Be who God has called you to be. Don't wear a mask. You know, we were, some of us that are hurting wear a mask. We try and be something we're not because we're hurting. You don't have to do that in this house. Sometimes there's pride. And we wear masks sometimes because of pride. Let's look at an example of Jesus. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, please. Luke chapter 18. Verse 13. Actually, verse 9, excuse me. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. I'm going to read a passage to you. Read it together. Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. And I'm reading from the NIV. And it says, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee 
and the other was a dishonest tax collector. You know, they hated the tax collectors, right? They collected money from the Roman Empire, and they would charge more than what the Roman Empire wanted so they could pocket it in their money. The proud Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank God that I'm not a sinner like everyone else, especially like that tax collector over there. For I never cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. You know, growing up, I kind of was around that kind of thing, that hello, brother, T.D., so T.D.'s not fine, but J.R.G., girly, brother. And I remember, I remember there was a young young pastor, this is just an example, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, There was this young minister, and we were both working at this restaurant, and I don't know, I think he did a good job one time serving tables or something, and uh, I said, hey, dude, that was cool, man, you're the man, you're the man, you know, just, you know, he said, no, brother, Jesus is the man. I, I, I'm, if it makes me a bad Christian, I don't know, but that just really doesn't appeal to me a whole lot, you know? And um, I was like, okay, brother. Um, <laughs> okay, let me continue reading. Okay. But the tax collectors, I just love real people. I, I just love real people. My, I don't know if you met my wife. She's a real person. She does not put on a facade for anybody, and I thank God for her. She's like Glorietta, except she's white. I mean, it's okay, you know? I mean, I mean, she just is going to say it like it is, and I love this lady. I mean, she talks to me straight, and I love that. You don't have to hide yourself from me. You just talk straight. If you're mad at me, be mad. It's okay, you know? If you're happy, be happy. Isn't that right, Matthew? That's right. Just be straight, and I love that. I love real people. And, I, you know, I think Jesus liked real people, too. I really do. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. Guys, I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. And I think it's okay to say that. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. I tell you this sinner, Jesus says, I tell you this sinner, not the Pharisee. Return home justified before God, for the proud will be humbled but the humble will be honored. James 5.16 says this, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. Now this is a phenomenal house, and I don't think any of this happens in this because this is a phenomenal house, but I know we're all human. Sometimes we don't live this scripture. We see it, we know it, we don't live it, and I'm talking to me. If if, If this doesn't apply to you, please forgive me for even saying it. I'm talking to me. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. Sometimes I know in growing up in life, growing up, not in life church, but just in in the Christian walk, sometimes instead of me living by this verse, I've lived by this verse. And it's not in the Bible. Hide your sins from one another and talk about one another. Okay? And, And, you know, we're just real people. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves of what the Scripture says. It's okay to confess your faults. This happens when we try and do things ourselves. Sometimes we got to let God get rid of the suckers. Let me give you an example. I'm going to show you a picture here. And I'm going to talk about me. Sometimes you you go through homiletics. They'll they'll say, homiletics will say, uh, when you preach, brother, you need to be behind the podium. You need to have your hands up high. And you never talk about yourself, brother. Never, never. That that was my homiletics teacher. But sorry, he, he would fail me. And I just, I I take the F. That's okay. All right? I'm going to talk about me for a minute. If you notice, um, 
you can't see it, but off to the left, there is a weed eater that's been thrown up against the fence, okay? And that is me laying down there, sweaty, nasty, under the shade in about 102 degree weather. Now, let me tell you the context of this crazy picture. I had decided that instead of the weed eater little string that you normally have on the weed eater, which I had to replace over and over in the heat, which caused me a lot of like aggravation, that I wasn't going to Lowe's and get one of those special adaptation things you stick on there and that it just automatically gets it. I never have to change the string. So I got to Lowe's. You know, I'm the man. I fix it. I got that new little sucker on there, you know. And I'm like, I got, I'm going to take care of this. So I start weeding with that thing. Let me tell you, every time it hit anything like concrete or wood, it cut off. My weed eater cut off about 65 times. And about the 66th time, I don't remember if I said anything bad. But, but I know I threw my weed eater. I, I don't know what I said, but I was mad. And I just, I laid down in the shade and I, I actually prayed, God, I know that I look like an idiot, but God, no one's going to see me. God, forgive me, help my anger. And guess who was taking a picture of me at the same time? That would be my wife who posted it on Facebook, okay? Again, she's all about being real. But, gentlemen, how many of you have ever been there? You lost your cool. Let's just be real. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. You may be healed. I need healing that day. I needed major healing. But we, we, we just need to be real with one another. It's okay in this house. I believe we have a house of people who care about one another. And I believe as we care about one another, the more real we are, the more we can reach into people's lives and touch them where they are. You know, in the message that Pastor Scotty is preaching on grace, we're going to have more and more unchurched people come into this house. And I encourage you, don't be so inclusive that you don't realize there's people next to you or beside you who need what you've got. Please don't think that it's the job of just a few. It's the job of all of us. Because you can do what I can't do. I am nobody special. You and your giftings, your personality, you will be able to reach. I cannot reach everybody. Matthew and I have very distinct personalities. I can't reach the same people Matthew does. Matthew can't reach the same people I do. And we certainly together can't reach everybody, can we? We need you. We need you. Life Church needs you. We need you. Um, did you know that pride can be a problem too? Do you know that Jesus dealt with pride amongst his disciples? Everybody's like, uh, maybe. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 20, and I'm going to show you something. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Jesus dealt with pride even amongst His own disciples. I'm going to read here from the NIV, and it says that then the mother of James and John... Now, James and John, were they bigwig disciples? Wrote scriptures in the Bible. James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. John was the beloved, all those there. The main things happening through the scriptures. These are big time guys, right? Amongst the disciples. Mama of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of Thunder, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectively to ask a favor of Jesus. What is your request, Jesus said. She replied, in your kingdom, will you let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you? One at your right and the other at your left. Now, did James and John tell their mama to be quiet? No. No. Read what happened next. 
But Jesus told them, these would be the disciples, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of sorrow I'm about to drink of? And James and John said, yes, we sure can. Yes, we sure. We are able. And it's an exclamation. We are able. Yes, sir. We can do just what you do. We need to sit at your right and left. Verse 23. Jesus says, you will indeed drink from it, he told them, but I have no right to say who will sit on the thrones next to mine. My Father has prepared those places for the ones He has chosen. Again, you trust God. Verse 24, When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. You know what indignant is? They were mad, they were furious, they were ready to fight. You ever seen those guys on Deadliest Catch when they're about to fight each other out there over that crab pot? Somebody does something stupid? They're about to, about to go, go, go at each other. And what they have to do in Deadliest Catch when they start going at each other and cussing wanting to fight each other uh, the captain has to call for a meeting. What's the next thing Jesus had to do? He had to call for a meeting. But Jesus called them together. We've got to have a meeting, guys. We're about to break apart here because of pride. And he said, you know that in the world, kings are tyrants and officials lorded over the people beneath them. But among you, it should be quite different. Among the church, it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others. And to give my life as a ransom for many. God has not called us to be prideful. He's called us to serve. And to serve others with love. A lot of times when we're prideful, a lot of times we feel like we can make things happen ourselves. A lot of times we don't trust God to get rid of the suckers in our life. We try and make things happen ourselves. You know, there's people all around the world today that are living in religious bondage who are trying to make things happen themselves, and they just don't know how it is to trust Christ and to trust God. I'm going to show you this picture of the Wailing Wall. And this is a picture of actually Orthodox Jews who are trying to do things themselves. Uh, They wear these black coats and these black hats and their beards, and they do all these things. Uh, They have a little box on the front of their head. Some of them stay here at the Wailing Wall all day and pray. Some of them don't work. They just pray because they feel like they have to pray all day in order to get to heaven. They are trying to, in their own works, they are trying to get to heaven and to get to God. And that's what they do all the time. Some of them don't even work. This is all they do. And sometimes in our own lives, we try and work, work, work to get ourselves to to heaven. And even when the new temple is built, you know that in the scriptures it tells us that the temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. We all know that, right? We know the conflict that's happening in Israel right now, but we also know one of the greatest signs of the end times is the rebuilding of the temple. And when that temple is rebuilt, I I hope you know that when it is rebuilt, that the sacrificial system will be reinstated by the Orthodox Jews and by the Levites. And they will need about 50 to 70 Levites out there every day, and the only thing, or maybe more, and all day long they will be doing sacrifices. Now you realize you don't have to do that anymore, right? You realize that you're free from the bondage of sacrifices. That Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice for your sins. And you don't have to do it anymore. But they will reinstitute that. Now, Brother Scotty shared with us a few sermons ago, and I want to show that picture of of these Levites standing, that when we went to the Temple Institute, which is an organization that right now will be the group that reinstitutes 
the, the sacrificial system. When the temple is rebuilt, they will have, they've already trained the Levites. They've already been raising the red heifers. They've already got together all the different articles for the temple, everything. They were reinstituted. And we talked to the people at Temple Institute, and Brother Scotty asked this question. He says, does anybody ever sit down? You remember you heard the sermon. Will anybody ever sit down in the temple when they're reinstituting the temple sacrifice and the animal sacrifice? And the girl said, oh, no. No, no, no. There are no chairs in the temple. And in the new temple, there will be no chairs. There will be nowhere for the Levites to sit down. And that's because the work is never done. She said the work is never done. They are not allowed to sit down because the work is never done. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. The work has been done. The work was done on the cross for you and me. And He has sat down on His throne in heaven. And we don't have to stand up and do all this stuff anymore. All we have to do is put our faith and our trust in God. And He will take care of the things in your life. He will get the suckers out of your life. You only have to trust Him. And He will take care of it. If there's any picture that I want to just, I just want you to let it just soak into your brain is this next picture. Because a lot of times when we think that Jesus has sat down in heaven, we think that Jesus is way far and away. But I want you to realize that through the Holy Spirit, that He's with you right now. That He lives inside of you. That you are connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ. That all you are is a branch. Your only job is to stay connected to Him. And that when He sits in heaven, He's also sitting right next to you. He's embraced you. Imagine your arms right there and He is always sitting in that posture waiting for you to stay connected to Him. He never leaves that posture. That posture of talk to me, embrace me, I'm here for you, I will take care of all your needs. How many times do we try and make things happen ourselves? We go to a church here or to we want a word from somebody over here. We want this or that. We look to this and we look to that or we look to a book and the Bible's great, but I'm talking about other books. And We look for all these things to help us when the greatest thing is right here already with you. And that's Jesus Christ and His presence here open for you right where you are. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to trust Him. You don't have to pretend you're perfect and have it all together. Last week we learned grace. 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 And when you think of grace, think of Jesus sitting right beside you. And the reason He can sit right beside you is because of the riches that have been bestowed upon you because of what He did on the cross. And it's always there for you. Your image is not dictated by your sins and your past Your image is simply staying connected to the root of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask Matthew to come on forward here, please. There's a worship song that he did last week, and in that worship song was a line, and it says, Where sin runs deep, your grace runs deeper. Where sin runs deep, your grace runs deeper. I'm going to ask all of you to stand, please. And in this, this altar call, what I'm going to ask is, and I believe this is an altar call to, to a lot of people, that how many of you have tried to make things happen yourself? You've tried to get rid of the suckers in your life. You've tried to figure it out yourself. And you've not let God be the gardener in your life. 
And if that's you, I just want you to, we're not going to take a lot of time. I'd like for you to come forward. Uh, just if you don't mind, come on forward. That should be a lot of you. And you're basically, as you're coming forward, we're going to make a declaration to God and say, God, I cast all my cares upon you. God, I'm going to let you take care of the things in my life. God, I can't figure it out anymore. I've tried everything I can do. And now I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to trust you, the gardener. I'm going to trust that I'm going to, instead of trying to focus on all the works that I've been doing, I'm going to focus on staying connected to Jesus Christ. I'm going to focus on my prayer time. I'm going to focus on my worship time. I'm going to focus on simply staying connected to you and being able to hear from you. And before we do this worship song, if you'll bow your heads, please, I just want to ask this question to everyone in the house. Is there anyone in the house today that would say, say, Robbie, um, I hear what you're saying, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And in my heart right now, I just, I know that I need to make a decision to follow the Lord. And I want today, I want today to become a Christian and let Lord, the Lord become the Lord of my life. If that's you, nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. I just want you to, to lift up your hand, please. Is anybody in the house? say anybody in the house anybody in the house jump your hand now I'm going to ask I saw, saw a hand here or there I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing if, if that's you and I want you to come forward just come forward and let us pray for you just come up right here where I am and I want to pray for you if that was you All right, what I want you to do is I want you to just hold hands with your neighbor and we're going to pray that prayer for those. Some are coming forward. Some are at their seat. I just want you to, wherever you are, doesn't matter where you are, and I just want you to say this prayer. Everybody close your eyes, please. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. But I thank you, Lord, that I'm saved by grace. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to live a life for you. I want to stay connected to Jesus all the days of my life. And I'm going to do everything in my power to stay connected to you. But beyond that, I'm simply going to trust you and live my life for you. Thank you, Lord, that you are in my life. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for that. We thank the Lord for those that have come to know Him today. And to end today, if you'll just do me this favor, as Matthew does this worship song, I want everyone to just close your eyes. And I want you right where you are, I want you to apply this worship song to your life. And after this, we'll be dismissed. Matthew. For every curse. You're the cure For every sickness You're the healer For every storm You're the calm For all that's lost Oh, what a Savior And on that cross of Calvary And every burden has been defeated and every red
nurtured heart redeemed you drown our sin in seas of crimson and every wretched heart redeemed you drown our sin in seas of crimson hallelujah death is beaten christ has arisen from the grave hallelujah it is finished all to you the highest praise thanks again for listening to live church of mobile's podcast our services are held on sundays at 8 30 and 10 30 a.m If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at livechurchmobile.com.